guys and welcome back to talking with shadows the conversation everyone has but no one wants to admit to here with your host vic whaley and marcus d and welcome to our 20th episode of our podcast holy crud are we seriously all the way to 20th episode we are 20 episodes in i feel like we didn't start all that long ago no we didn't and you know 20 episodes later we are so happy that you guys are still with us listening um and to celebrate our 20th episode we decided to bring another guest Onto the studio. So joining us today in the studio is our good friend Charles. Say hello to everybody, Charles. Good evening, everybody. And Charles, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm Native American. Actually, Lakota is what we like to be called. Everybody else would call us Native American or Indian. Uh, I am from the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. It's a pretty awesome place. Kind of miss it. But, you know, I enjoy being here in the city as well. And you're going to be telling us a, a little bit about some of the strangeness you experienced growing up back on the reservation, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we actually met Charles uh, through work. Now, those of you who know that, we're, that we work at a, uh, like, in mental health, no, he's not one of our patients. <laughs> Charles is one of our coworkers. So. I could be one of the patients, <laughs> let's be honest. I think we could all fall into that bracket. <laughs> I mean, have you met me? Yeah. Well, it's always so funny, like, when you're, like, when you're, like, when you're into the paranormal... And, like, everybody wants to be our friend, like, at work. And they're like, can you be friends with you? And it turns into, like, that John Mulaney meme where he's like, okay, but we're all going to have to get real cool about a lot of things real quick. <laughs> like, and, and for most people, like, most people at our work, they kind of now know that we're into the paranormal. But, like, new co-workers don't know how deep me and Vic are into the paranormal. Oh, yeah, and when we first started doing this, like, we kept it real secret at work. Yeah, real hush-hush. And so, like, with Charles, like, occasionally, like, we'd be talking, and then something would slip out, then he would know something about, like, you know, Bigfoot, or spirits, or ghosts, and we're like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I am Lakota, so we are pretty cool to begin with. That is that is true. That is true. Uh, you were telling me the only Native American uh, tribe not to lose a battle to the U.S. government? Uh, pretty much, yeah. The U.S. United States Army, well, The United States Army, yeah. Awesome. I mean, there's one that you could say, but I mean, that's more of a massacre than anything. So I, I think they want to sweep that one under the rug, though. They're like, uh, <laughs> we fought some women and children. Let's just let's not do that. Let's focus on, you know, UFOs and stuff. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even all that long that they renamed or all that long ago. They renamed it from a battle to a massacre. It wasn't only in mm-hmm. like the last, what, 30 years, 30, they years, or 30 years or so. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at uh, any of the U.S. history books, it still says battle, so oh. I think we're the only ones that call it a massacre. Well, anybody that listens to our channel knows how much language is important when it comes to uh, to a lot of things, so yeah. So, uh, to celebrate our 20th episode, we decided we'd also uh, partake in some refreshments today. We always tell you guys what we're drinking when we drink something. We picked up some Bud Limes. I am going with a Bud Light Orange today. I am drinking Bud Light Lime because I am cool. I, yeah, I got the Bud Light Orange, but also I wanted to point out, you said Bud Limes? Like, yeah. wait, hold on. Where the hell did we get Bud Limes? Yeah, you, you said that we were all drinking Bud Limes, and you're drinking Bud Lime Orange. Oh, I meant Bud Light. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I haven't no, and I haven't oh, had anything to drink. First off, I just got off work. Thank you very much. You two true. have had the day That's off. That's true. I'll, I'll give you some slack. Thank you. Thank you. 
me talking about how language is important here. I am tripping up over my yeah, words. Cheers, guys. <laughs> and cheers yeah. to all of our fans cheers. for our 20th episode. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like anything with lime in it. I love orange. Actually, one of my favorite drinks is a gin and tonic with a lot of lime juice. Or mm-hmm. like a kamikaze with like extra lime juice. <laughs> but I'm pretty happy with about anything with lime in it. I accidentally discovered Bud Light Orange because whenever I would do, when I do comedy and stuff, I always would drink Bud Light Lime. And one day they just didn't have any. And I'm like, they're like, what else do you got? And they're like, Bud, Bud Light Orange. And I'm like, I'm going to try that. And like, then I've been hooked on it ever since. Uh, if you like Bud Light Orange, I would recommend Shock Top. That sounds awesome. Delicious. Especially if you get it at the bar, they put a little orange slice in there. So when you finish the beer at the bottom, you take the, take a bite of the orange slice and it's like beer infused oranges. Okay, which I can cool. I can get behind, you know. If someone would sell those at, at the store in the produce aisle, I'll definitely go buy some. Sweet. All right. Um, I think it's about time to get started in our episode. Now, oh, yeah. normally we do uh, where we would talk about comments from our previous videos. However, as we're recording this, we're actually recording this about two days after uh, we just released our Black Stickman video. So we wanted to give you guys a few more uh, days to, if you guys like to comment on that for us to be able to respond back to those comments. So if you still want to put comments on that, uh, feel free to do so. We're going to go over those in our next episode. And we'll probably do the comments from this video and that video. Yeah, yeah, probably at the same, same time. time. We always love going over our fans' comments and stuff. So please leave a comment. Uh, in this episode, if you guys have any questions for us or Charles or anything. Um, so, most people at our work cannot keep up with me and Vic talking about the paranormal. But, I mean, like, you you are one of the rare people that we meet that can actually, like, keep up with, with us talking about the paranormal. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm interested in it as well. And I've watched, like, YouTube videos and read books on it. And it's fascinating because, you know, I grew up seeing things or hearing things or you know uh you hear all these stories that everybody experiences back home or you experience those same you know paranormal instances yourself so it's kind of like uh yeah i kind of believe in it because i saw it firsthand and if anybody tells me different i'm like "Uh, you're wrong (laughs) you know this leads into one of the questions i always like to ask our guests do you remember your first paranormal experience Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, one day I'm sitting there and, you know, I had to babysit my brothers and sisters. Well, I think I was like maybe, hold on, this was maybe about 12, 13 years old. And it's, my brother was playing in the laundry room and all of a sudden, you know, I'm walking in there and I look at him and it looks like he gets thrown into the dryer, like just picked up and thrown and he comes out and he gets mad and he's like i'm not playing with my friend anymore because he's being mean right now and what? i was like uh dad something's wrong like you saw him get lifted up and thrown into the dryer yes like someone just picked him up and pushed him right into it where was that guy when i was growing up with my sisters man <laughs> it's probably funny now at the time but probably back then it was probably like terrifying but... yeah it really was i mean he he was mad though like he was he wasn't crying you know he wasn't scared it was just like i'm not playing with my friend anymore and i'm like uh what kind of friend is this well first i'm really glad he didn't turn the dryer on <laughs> afterwards but like so how did that experience affect you oh i mean you know after that it just got more and more prominent you know hearing things seeing things and you know it just never went away 
So did you tell your parents about the incident? I did actually. I uh, didn't really have to because my dad was standing like right behind me, which I didn't know. And I kind of looked at him. He had I had my I had this look on my face, and he's like, "Don't worry, it's happened before." It's it, happened before where your brother's been picked up and thrown in the dryer? Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, he wasn't, like, not thrown inside the dryer. He was, like, right against it. Where oh, it just made, it. like, oh, okay. a loud boom, you know. You know, like, when you hit metal, if you hit one of the dryers, you know the the distinct sound it makes? That's basically yeah. what it was. Gosh. I'm surprised that he, like, that you didn't handle that. My dad probably would not have handled that well. Like, if I came in saying that, like... You know, my one of my sisters had been knocked against the washing machine or knocked against the dryer. Like, I probably would have been grounded for two weeks. He would not have believed. He would be like, yeah, ghost, whatever. <laughs> so did you ever get any other stories about, like, whatever this entity was, other things it had done? Well, so the house we lived at, it was in our, you know, family for quite some time. Um, there's been stories prior to me seeing that for the first time. You know, one of my earliest stories, and my parents will never, ever stop telling me this, and I'll never stop telling it, too, because it was interesting to me. Uh, when I was just a baby in a car seat, you know, my parents and a few of my family members had been drinking, and they decided, you know, hey, we're going to drive out to the house in, in the middle of winter and get some clothes for everybody So because we were staying at you know my auntie's house at the time. Well, we get to the house... And they'll always, they always tell me the same story, and it's always the same account. Everybody would go into the house, and the way it is is as soon as you enter the house, there's a laundry room, and then to the right is the kitchen. They placed me on the table, and as they were looking for clothes and stuff that we needed to you know, kind of get through the winter, um, my dad said he looks down the hallway, and there's you know some entity like... He explains it like there's a demon. It like peeks out from the plastic on a door. And when you look down the hallway, I'm going to give you a visual description. Look down the hallway to the right is the first door to the living room. The second door is the first room. And then the master bedroom is on the right. And all the way back in at the end of the hallway is another bedroom. And then to the left is the bathroom. Well, it came out of the master bedroom and peeked out at him so they got scared they all ran out they left me on the table well my mom starts screaming and she goes oh we left jr on the table so they you know summon up the courage i guess get whatever they have in their trunk come into the house and you know my dad's the first one in and as soon as he sees me they all say that there was this golden glow around my carrier or my car seat, whatever it was. And, you know, nothing ever touched me. So, you know, I guess whatever it was was protecting me. I don't know if it was my ancestors or maybe some kind of, you know, divine being. I don't know. But that's the same story I get every single time someone tells me it. Do they say what the entity actually looked like? I don't know if I actually caught that. Like, what did it look like? Well, I mean, he was on two feet. They didn't really say he had horns or anything, but they said, you know, whatever it was, it had claws and and his face was like disfigured, but they could see the teeth. And that's what scared them was, you know, the claws and the teeth. Was it like translucent? Was it solid? Do you know? They got a, you know, glimpse of it and really couldn't gotcha. tell me any description other than that. We saw 
teeth and horns, and we're like, time to haul ass. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a pretty fascinating story right there. That's There's a lot to unpack in there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, a little bit of that divine intervention angle. We've got, like, a weird creature going on. That That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is. So, for your, you said that you had lived in that home for a good while. So, when it came to, like, paranormal activity, like, in the home... Different people have different opinions on, on what it is. Do you think that, like, there's something with the home that's causing it? Is it with you guys? Is it just daily life? Like, what like what would what would you say or what would your family say would cause the paranormal activity in your home? Well, so <clears throat> where we live is, um, you know, it's a reservation. It's a landmass the size of Connecticut. And that's the best way I can describe the reservation to you. I mean, you got the east side and the west side, but you know, no matter what side you're on, you have the same ceremonies going on. And in my opinion, um, I think what happens out there, we call it basically a spiritual battleground. Um, because of whatever's out there is called by you know our medicine men through these ceremonies. Because when you open up a door, you don't know where that door is going to, you know. And, you know, most of the time they ask or they tell you that they're calling back the ancestors to give you strength during these ceremonies. But, you know, we I'm unsure what what's what can come in or out or through that door that they're opening because they're just, you know, freely opening these doors during these ceremonies. And it's just like every single time it's pitch black and you're asking for the spirit world to come or your ancestors from the spirit world to come and be with you. But, you know, in our belief system, there are more things out there, more spiritual beings than anyone else is letting on. So there's a lot of legends that, or, you know, stories that go with that spiritual battleground. And, you know, growing up where I grew up, I'm a converted Lakota, which means I'm Christian. So, you know, I believe in god and you know what the bible says but at the same time i i know what i see i know what you know i felt while living out there and you can ask any person that's you know basically a pastor or a priest that has lived out there or been out there they can tell you and they all deduce this that it is a spiritual battleground it is so much activity out there that it's you know, I've had people come to me like, is this how it is out here? I'm like, yes. Okay, you you can't mention spiritual battleground without totally sucking both of us. Yeah, in. I know. I want to hear all that. Do you, have, do you have any other stories kind of like along that vein or anything else you can elaborate on that? So, um, during these ceremonies, there are things that happen to you. Um, you're not really, you are close by each other, but, but not like where anybody can touch you. And everybody's kind of worried about you know basically like if you're in a sweat lodge uh you're sitting by them but they're sitting there praying and all of a sudden you'll feel like this big hand on the back of your neck or you know something push you while you're in there because at during that time they're calling for their ancestors to come and they're opening that door so you don't know you know what's in there but something does touch you something grabs you or you know you just you just feel the energy just change as hot as it gets it gets cold in there do you feel like most people who live on the reservation have like a fair deal of experiences or do you feel like you experience more than kind of average 
No, uh, everybody has, you know, a different story for what happens. I mean, you guys heard the story with my cousin and picking up that strange hitchhiker that disappeared on him in a police car. That one was, you know, that. Actually, would you mind going yeah, ahead yeah. and telling you for our listeners? That's a great story. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had gotten off shift. I worked at the jail at the time, and my cousin, he asked me if I wanted to do a ride-along with him because it was just him working that night. So I said, yeah, sure. So we go out, and I get tired, and this is about 3 o'clock, and I want to go home. So I tell him, you know, just drop me off, and I'll go get in my car. Well, I get, you know, phone calls and texts throughout the night, and he's telling me to call him. So I did call him. He tells me the story, like, he gets called out to another community, which is, like, 30 to 45 minutes away. And when he gets out there, it's a domestic violence call. He says it's unfounded, and as he's coming back, it starts raining. And during this storm that's going on, he sees this woman, you know, walking with a stroller. And in the stroller, I guess, was a baby because the woman had picked up the baby whenever he pulled over to um, ask him for a ride. But the woman never said anything to him. He asked, you know, do you want a ride? And she just kind of nods, doesn't really say anything. So he puts her in the back seat of his you know, patrol car. And uh, he puts the stroller into the back of the SUV, and he goes down the road. Well, there's this lookout point that goes out to the Badlands. He goes up to that point, and all of a sudden, when he gets close to it, he hears banging on the back of his, um, I guess, I can't remember the word for it. I'm so sorry. Back uh, of his patrol car, like... Uh, like the cage, yeah, basically. The cage yeah, the back the, of the cage. Yeah, the sorry. officer and the person. Yeah, so the thing that the divider between them was, you know, she was banging on it. So he pulls over. As soon as he gets out to open up the back door, she, when he opens the back door, she's gone. Baby's gone, stroller's gone. So he gets on the radio and says, hey, uh, you know that person I picked up that I called in? She's no longer here. So he leaves and he's driving down the road like 100 miles an hour with his lights and sirens on because he wants to get back after that experience and i was like uh i'm not going on any more ride-alongs with you so did you tell the captain like what happened like did you tell like a supervisor what happened uh yeah he told uh he told dispatch and you know dispatch kind of said well we'll put it in the files and you know where that's gonna go wait the files well they, there's a special form of uh reports out there that they call the x-files that you know, explain strange phenomenon or they have strange phenomenon that happened to police officers or any of the EMT staff, things like that. Yeah, I've heard rumors of there being these um, X-Files on various reservations where they have so many odd stories that um, the officials get that they just have this own little file for it. And I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's true. So I have a question. So when it comes, so say if you guys are making a report in these X-Files, do you guys have to be very objective when you guys are charting into that or writing in that? Or does it ever get subjective when you guys are charting in, in, in anything like that? I think in, like with any report, it's more like uh, more subjective where uh, this happened. You can't really tell how you felt about the situation. You just put in your report, this happened at this time, person's gone, and that's it. And uh, route back to... You know, the main town. Oh, man, there's probably just, like, a plethora 
of so many stories that have never been told, like law enforcement. Oh man, what what I wouldn't do to just get a chance to thumb through those files. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So you were talking about, um, you were talking about, uh, you know, back home on the reservation and being this spiritual battleground. But you also were talking about, say, like the the reservation being the size of Connecticut, and there's like this east and west. Are the practices with these things similar across the across the reservation? Do they ever differ? And do you think that ever plays into any of the paranormal activity that goes on on the reservation? Uh, all the practices are the same because we're the same tribe. Okay. Um, but yes, it, it does play you know a huge part into what's out there. Uh, I mean, you have various forms of spirits out there. Um, you have, I, I guess you call them demons. Um, I don't know. There's, there's beings out there that can basically change into different people or different, you know, animal types. Um, one, one, for instance, was my mom and my grandma and her sister, my mom's sisters, they love to play bingo. So, you know, most every night they go out and play bingo. So they're gone until about 9, 10 at night. Well, one one night they're walking on the main road back to town. And it's about a mile just from the main, from the highway to the actual community. So they're walking on this road. And this is about summertime. There's this old abandoned house that no one likes to go to because, you know, we hear stories about it. Well, from what... All of them have said, and my grandma actually had to go to the hospital because of this. Um, they were chased by something. At first, it started off sounding like, you know, laughing like a clown. It, they thought it was just someone messing with them. And then all of a sudden, they started hearing just heavy running. So it started growling like it was a bear. Well, it chased them all the way to the first house in the community. And luckily, there's a guy that lives there, and he's always outside. You know, you know no matter what he's doing, he's always outside. Uh, I don't know if he's there even to this day. I haven't been home in like eight years. But um, my uh, they, they got there. My grandma actually fell about halfway to that house, and she ended up busting her knee pretty good. Well, the guy called the cops. They went to that house. They searched everywhere on the road. They didn't find tracks. Didn't find anything. But they swear to this day that they had got chased by something that was not human at all. So, what's your most intense personal experience with the paranormal? What What's the most major defining experience you've had? Oh, me. There was there's plenty of things. Um, but there was one that I didn't, I thought it was someone breaking in, but you know, doors downstairs were locked. But this, this happened one night when I was with my brothers and sisters, I had to watch them while my dad and them went to the city and the city's an hour away. Anything you go to that, you know, if it's a grocery store is a long ways away. So, you know, I, they had to do business up there and they had to go to the grocery store. So I was going to be a while before they got home. Well, I was, I was there one night and, you know, all the kids went to sleep. It was just me. I was watching movies. All of a sudden, I start hearing, you know, stuff going on downstairs. Well, our, our downstairs was, you know, finished at the time. And, you know, the kids' rooms were down there, but they weren't down there because they were all sleeping upstairs. Well, I was sitting there waiting. 
I just hear, you know, all this rustling downstairs. And then all of a sudden I hear someone walking up the stairs. I call my dad. I'm like, hey, someone's downstairs. I'm not, I, I kid you not, they're walking up the stairs. So I check and there's nothing while I'm on the phone with my dad. And, you know, I close the door again because I'm not going down there. Trust me. Heard enough story, heard enough things down there. Not going to do it, especially by myself. Well, while I was waiting for my dad and them, again, all the toys downstairs started going off. And these are the, like, little Care Bears that you have to put your hands together or you have to, you know, flip a switch for the little cars and, you know, they would start playing, singing, things like that. They all started going off downstairs. And I knew exactly where those toys were because the kids were playing with them and we were downstairs at the time. Um when they were while I was downstairs with them when they were playing before they went to bed uh when I I was called my dad again I said where are you guys at and he's like we're still in the city we're gonna be in an hour still I was like oh, okay I'm just gonna sit here and ignore it well the toys started dying down but I guess the batteries are dying um but the Care Bears I don't know they were singing forever I don't like Care Bears anymore so my dad so my dad gets home and we go downstairs well we find all of the toys sitting on the table where they weren't before and the doors were locked windows were locked not, no one had been in the rooms and all the kids were still sleeping so you know i was like nope i will babysit but it'll be during the day how do you sleep after something like that? Like how? Like it's got to be like so hard when you have such an intense paranormal encounter like that to like get sleep or ground yourself. I, you know, it's it got to a point where we got used to it. You know, you hear things, you see things, you just kind of shrug it off. And you know, a lot of a lot of times growing up where I grew up, we smudge, we use sage, we use I uh, use that for prayer. And, you know, we pray to our ancestors and, you know, our deity, which you guys would call our God. We don't consider him a deity. He's more of like our grandfather, our all protector. So, you know, we pray to him to watch over us at the time. And, you know, and it works like for some reason spirits don't like sage. And that's what had been passed down from our people for generations. So that's what we use. Uh, they consider it bad medicine, but also, you know, a lot of the spirits, like I said, are called from the ceremonies, but certain houses have been there a while, so you can't really tell or say what has happened during a time, because a lot of times your relatives would pass away and then that house is passed on to you, but there's no story behind it. You just kind of go with all the activity that's going on and you just get used to it at, and you will never blink twice about it. Been like, yeah, here's your grandmama's house. Oh, yeah, sometimes there may be, like, you know, a bunch of toys that may go off off in the basement and, like, move around on their own. Yeah, that's our Care Bear. We call him Scary Bear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an intensive care. Or intensive bear. So is he kind of like an understand or an understood strangeness where everyone kind of knows this stuff goes on? Yeah, um... A lot of people, like I said, we, we pray it away. We use sage to smudge ourselves. Um, typically, nothing happens, but the activity is still there. I mean, it'll die down a little bit, but then it'll come back. Is it taboo to talk about, or do people just talk about this openly? I mean, we tell stories all the time. Um, we consider, 
you know what happens to us stories it's not like it's a tall tale or anything or anything that's mm-hmm. fictional we just we just call them stories like any anything that happens in your life anything that um is significant enough you know we call them stories so you know we we speak about it all the time it's it's nothing that's not strange to anybody man like that's so different from like how i grew up and stuff like if something happened in our house you know my dad would be like that's something you keep to yourself <laughs> like like don't you embarrass me like when we go to the neighbors we go to your grandparents because you tell your grandpa he's gonna be telling all the neighbors there goes my son he sees ghosts like where i grew up i really think almost everyone was having experiences but it was kind of like a i don't know why but no one really ever spoke about it, it was kind of a taboo thing mm-hmm. to talk about like, when I was back home a while ago taking care of mom, like, I started asking some of the locals about, like, the, the odd things that they've had happen to them. And almost everyone had a story, but it mm-hmm. took a little bit of prying to get anyone to talk about it. It's like, everyone had experienced it, but everyone had somehow come to this yeah. understanding. We're just, none of us are going to talk about yeah. it. I mean, like, that's where, like, the name of our podcast comes from, Talking With Shadows. I mean, the, the conversations about the paranormal, these are all things people seem to have. But so many people just don't want to admit to them happening. Like I was talking about, like I, you know, I, I grew up in a in a family where you didn't really talk about these things. But as an adult, I'm finding out stuff like now, like you know, my grandmother's house was completely haunted. My mother's interviewing psychics for her high school paper. I'm like, where were all these when I was growing up? None of y'all told me these till I was like 30 years old, full grown man. Yeah, well, when I moved here, it was like, oh, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in ghosts or Bigfoot. Yes, they you know? do. And I'm like. <laughs> okay that's your opinion you're wrong and that well that's my opinion but um when i'm when i moved here i noticed that the spiritual realm isn't prevalent here um i don't know if that's the right word to use but it's not as uh embodied as it was on a reservation like you don't you don't see things or hear things um that happen you don't you don't even hear about you know certain types of uh beings or you know cryptids things like that like you would hear on a reservation do you think that has more to do with the ceremonies that go on or do you think it's just kind of a regional thing like what what do you think is the reason behind it a lot of a lot of stuff uh, for us it'd be the ceremonies for here i think it's just like you know ignorance where you you get so used to it and so complacent in your life that you don't recognize or even um acknowledge that something's going on around you and most people are like that you know they're they're too busy with their lives that they don't see anything happen you know here it's always go 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 there you have plenty of time to think about um what's going on in your life and then during that thought process you see things you hear things because you know you're more in tune to um notice things around you you know things aren't going as fast everything's a lot slower you know, the days seem longer, but that, I think that's just what it is, is, you know, people are ignorant to the, or don't even want to acknowledge it. I love that answer, and here's why. It jives so much with what a lot of people say when they start looking to the paranormal, where before that, they hadn't really ever seen anything. Like me, I grew up, and I had a lot of experiences early on, and I was exposed to early on, and I would see this sort of stuff. 
Now, on the other hand, Marcus, Marcus hadn't really been in that world and hadn't had too many experiences and still until I started to kind of pull him in and what's happened since then yeah I've had like numerous stories to talk about now in the paranormal and I'm not making any of the stories I ever tell up you know just for the sake of you know conversation on the paranormal on the podcast you know I've fully been I didn't probably have a real paranormal experience probably until I was like you know in my 20s and stuff like that but yeah when you start looking at the, for the paranormal taking the time to stop and smell the daisies or stop and smell the roses when you stop to smell the roses, you start to see the ghosts, too, like, because <laughs> it pops out. Well, that's something similar to what my grandma would say. She um, <clears throat> she would sit there and she'd be like, don't, don't poke, be careful what you poke at, especially in the dark, because you don't know what's going to poke back. That sounds like some sound advice. That is very sound advice. That is such a, you know, that's why I always tell people, like, not to do Ouija boards, too. I know you're probably going to hear a lot of people on the podcast talk about using Ouija boards and stuff. But you, you never know what you're getting yourself into when you do these sorts of things. And sometimes it may be something that's completely out of your control that you can't handle. I think that's definitely a possibility. No, I'm not as anti-Ouija like anti -Ouija board. Like, I'm not into Ouija boards. I don't use a Ouija board. But I'm not against the concept of it. But I do acknowledge the danger that is present there. Yeah. I just believe that there are times where it may be worth taking the risk if you are if if you're the sort of person who's willing to go into something like that but i do acknowledge that i think there is a legitimate risk when using one charles be the tiebreaker ouija board yay or nay um if something like that calling spirits we've done it i'm gonna say no <clears throat> all right I, mean, I, I, knew, I knew that one. i knew that one's coming. <laughs> i know too but as the people who've been listening here you, yeah, you guys know. know i'm the risk taker out of the group i'm at the point where like I'm 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 so hungry to piece together some of these loose threads I have that I'll kind of rush into things. Like I don't I like I just think though like if you take the time to like you're you're just gonna have these experiences. I don't know. But again, it's just it's conflicting. Uh, it's just it's just differences of opinion on investigating the paranormal, I guess. But okay, I got another question for you, Charles. What's the most bizarre encounter you've ever had? The most outside the realm of normal. Well, I was about 15 or 16, and um, there was a point in my parents' life where, you know, we can haul trash, so there was, we put our trash behind the house. Our dogs got into it, so they would tear it up, and, you know, each day we'd have to clean it up or keep it together at least until we can get someone to come out and get it. Uh, one night I was sitting there, <clears throat> I hear a woman laughing outside the house and again by myself a little scared so i wake up my sister she's about a year or two younger than me and i saw i told her i was like there's someone outside the house i was like uh stay up with me until dad and them get back so she's like i don't hear anything i was like just wait and all of a sudden we hear like these footsteps in the back of the house and it sounds like they got into the the basement window because the basement window was broken from my brother at the time well uh, i go to grab my dad's crossbow it's a hand crossbow and i want to go outside and check so i grab my flashlight too as soon as i go outside and check to see if anything got into that window i see something jump the fence and start running to the hills 
So beyond our house, there's a fence that leads to, you know, my grandpa's land. And then farther back is about maybe 300 yards of field before it turns into, you know, this ravine. And then it goes up into the hills. Well, whatever this was, was huge. Um, I shot at it with the crossbow. And I guess I hit it because I heard a, like, you know how if something hurts you, you would yell out in pain. Mm -hmm. Well, but it was deeper. Like a, a you know louder, deeper sound. I run back in the house and I tell my sister like lock the doors. We're putting something against us. And I'm calling dad because I think Bigfoot was just outside. Say call my what? call my dad, and I let him know what happened. He's like, it's probably because all that trash is out there. And I was like, yeah, I'm guessing that's what it was, but I'm not. I have the door blocked. So when you get here, knock on the door and I'll unblock it. The man who shot Bigfoot with a crossbow. First off, thank you so much for telling that story. Because so many times when I have heard stories of the paranormal, I am just so surprised when the story doesn't involve, and then I pulled out my gun. Now, you did it with flair because you pulled out a crossbow. So, good on you, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, these, Yeah, these were crossbows. They were little handheld crossbows that we got. And you can hold them in one hand. Um, they're those little activity ones you can shoot, but they still have, they can shoot pretty hard and they have a, still have a, a sharp tip on them. Uh, my dad got some from our pastor at the time, and you know we would use them to keep coyotes or even if a mountain lion came across, we would use them for that because mountain lions, you know, the grass is tall and they're the same color, so you kind of need to protect yourself while you're out there. Like some Assassin Creed stuff right there. Pull out your crossbow to shoot a Bigfoot. That's awesome. So do you guys have a lot of Bigfoot encounters out there on the reservation? Uh, yeah. We have... Um, it seems like almost every day or every week we have stories. And it's not just our family. It's you know families across the community. Um, the way it works out there is we have districts out there. There's like nine districts, I believe. And if you think of districts... Like the Hunger Games, that's basically it. Like we're all like that. We have our own representatives, things like that, because we have our own government. But you hear stories all the time, uh, and a lot of the people, a lot of our elders, basically say that they're just spirits. They're taking physical form. They're here to you know protect us, or they're here to protect something, um, whether it be you know nature itself, or you know even ceremonies or even our people they're there to watch over us they think they're spirits of our ancestors just taking physical form i thought you said it weekly bigfoot sightings and a lot of times you hear something i mean you walk you walk out and like hey this happened or this happened and you're like oh yeah same thing happened to us that's a lot of bigfoot encounters oh yeah yeah like so typically what is the typical behavior like in most of these stories, like on the reservation, like is he just rooting through garbage? Is he just minding his own business? Are they more aggressive? Like what? What are what are typical <laughs> stories like on the reservation of Bigfoot? Well, when growing up, um, we were told to keep an eye out for them, uh, for their behavior near us. Is they they like garbage? They like um, when dare I say it, women on their moon. That's what we call it, I guess, when it's they're on their period. Oh, okay. I've caught up now. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, we were, you know, always told um, by our elders to watch out for the three-toed versus the five-toed. The five-toed are 
not as aggressive, but the three toed they they can attack you and they eat meat. So keep an eye on out between the two. If you see tracks, if you see three toed, go back home right away. So there's like there's two distinct versions of Bigfoot on the reservation: five toed and three toed. Yes. Okay. Like which one are more which one are more common? Would you say that people see the five toed are more common. Uh, three toed are the ones you would hear from like the farmers um, or ranchers that are out there or people that have livestock. Uh, they get animal attacks all the time. Uh, so one one story happened near our community. One of the ranchers was out there, and he had some some pretty dogs. They're all German shepherds. I think he had one Labrador, I, I don't know, or maybe it was a mutt. Um, anyway, these dogs are gorgeous. I've seen them. And, well, he came down pretty distraught one day. And he, he came into town, and he told one of our elders that something was near his house. And this is this happened near dusk. Um, so light was still out, but he says he sees someone running away from his barn. So he lets the dogs out. When the dogs start chasing them, they run, they chase it over the hill, um, towards his fence line. And when they get over the hill, he starts hearing his dogs start screaming in pain, you know, yelping. Well, as soon as he gets over the hill, he finds the dog's heads on his poles and the bodies were nowhere to be seen. But he said that footprints were three-toed. Wow. So do you guys do you guys call like Bigfoot Bigfoot, or do you guys have another name for him? Uh, the Lakota name I can't remember. Uh, if I had to say anything, I think it's Sitanka, which is Bigfoot. Gotcha. Do you guys have another word for three-toed versus five-toed, or is it just no? It's the same? Just, it's the same thing. They. Um, the three toed are a little bit shorter from what I remember, but that's the only difference besides the, you know, number of appendages on his feet. Do they believe that both the um, three toed and the five toed are both uh, like spirits or guardians or something? But um, or is one like different than the other? Uh, with the elders, like I said, they, they believe that they are our ancestors or, you know, here to protect us. So I think the three-toed are to be more aggressive. It's kind of like how you have your army versus your diplomatic um, people. You know, if diplom if your diplomacy doesn't work, then you send in your army. Gotcha. And so I figured, like, I figured yeah, that's that how sense. the spirits are. All right, so they have, like, different roles in the war and stuff. Okay. All right, so we sent out a five-toed Bigfoot rooting through your garbage. It's not working. Time to send in the three-toed. So, in our channel, we really like to talk about, like, shadow people and black-eyed kids. So, I, I want to know, are uh, are those encounters, do encounters like that occur on the reservation? I, the only thing I can think of as far as shadow people is a tall man. Um, my mom has seen him. She actually had to call the cops on him one time. There's this cabin that's behind our house in those fields. And whatever this was, it wasn't it wasn't a Bigfoot because she said it whatever it was had a hat on and, and it looked like it had a trench coat. But there's a light behind the cabin that you can see. Uh, no one lives out there, but you know the light was always on for some reason. I don't I don't know, but it was one of those big light poles that you see like on a street lamp. Mm -hmm. Well, she was uh, outside one day because it's summertime. You 
don't stay inside, you know, if you don't have to because, you know, nighttime is cooler. Well, um, when she said she looked back there, there was a tall man standing right by the cabin and it was just lean, like standing above where the roof of the cabin met and he was taller than that. And she didn't think it was a Bigfoot, but she just remembers that it was, you know, started walking away. Um, I guess it noticed her watching him because she came in and called my dad. My dad came out and he didn't see anything, but she did. And that's the only, you know, I mean, you see shadow things all the time, but that's the only thing that I can remember. That's, that's really, uh, yeah, I wouldn't think that to be a Bigfoot because usually when you think of Bigfoot, you think of something big and robust. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like it was like, Almost like a, a slender man, man sort of story, thing. Story, yeah. Well, I think we're about out of time for yeah. the open portion. Yeah. Um, that's, this has been just such an awesome interview to just talk to somebody who just who had like a like has like a completely different perspective of the paranormal than like what like what I'm used to and a lot of other people are used to. Like I gotta ask Charles. I I know you have more stories than this. If we invite you back on another day, would you consider coming back? Uh, yeah, and since we're out of time, I forgot to tell you the story about the sweat lodge. Uh, hang on one second, because there is a little bit more. So for this is the end of our of our regular episode. So if anybody is uh, interested in catching the rest of this uh, episode, uh, go over to our Patreon and sign up for our, uh, for our Patreon. And become when you become a patron, you get all the extended portions of all of our podcasts. So, and you're going to be able to get to hear some more stories from Charles. But uh, just for now, Charles, though, we want to thank you at this point uh, in the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, though. Oh, absolutely. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, But for now, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right. So, let's dive into some more stories. Okay. I want to give a little bit of history on this one, just kind of as a setup. Charles started to tell us this story a few days ago, and we were listening to it, and he had me right on the edge of my seat, and it took all my willpower to pull myself together to go, okay, stop telling me this, because this is an amazing story. I want you to tell this on the channel, and I want to be hearing it for the first time there. Cause I, so I stopped it before we finished, and I'm a really curious person. I do not like stopping in the middle of a good story. So I'll wait several days to hear the story. So that, that's just for, for you patrons out there. Yeah. I pulled my stuff together. I'm like, <laughs> and, we, want, we want our reactions to be natural here. So, Charles, if you would, good sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, <clears throat> this comes from our family. It happened to one of my grandmother's. Uh, well, she was at the, her house watching kids one night. Well, it was about dusk. She had her trailer out in the country, and by the trailer, they had their sweat lodge. <clears throat> well, she came out, and the kids were playing in the sweat lodge, so she started yelling at them, like, get out of there, get out of there. You're not supposed to be playing that. That's bad medicine. The kids didn't really listen, and... While she was telling them that, the dogs just go crazy. They start barking. They, you know, going crazy, growling, barking, whatever you could think of. Um, they just became really aggressive. And as they, as she was looking at them, she looked at where they were pointed, and they were looking on top of the hill. And on top of the hill, there was this man standing there. And she looked at she as she was watching him. She saw this tail come out. And she could see it moving. Well, the man started walking uh, towards the trailer. 
So she starts yelling at her kids. She says, Takojas, come on, get inside right now. And Takojas is Lakota for her grandchildren.